Hello and welcome to the first edition of Devils in the Details, our brand new New Jersey Devils podcast presented by WSU Sports, where every week we're going to be talking about all things New Jersey Devils, as well as the rest of the National Hockey League. I am your host for this week, Jonathan Height, joined alongside by an electric crew of John McCooch and Joe Matthews. So guys, real quick before we have our first pilot episode here, how are you both doing? I mean, it's awesome to have a chance to not only sit down with you guys, obviously. I mean, we get to do that a lot, but um, to have a chance to just focus on the Devils, just focus on the league. Uh, this is going to be a really great time. Glad to be a part of the first one, um, but I'm just ready to get the show on the road. Yeah, I'm ready to get started. We've got a lot of fun conversations to have. You know, the Devils, fun young team. It should be a pretty exciting season. And given the fact that it should be a pretty exciting season, should be a pretty exciting podcast that we're going to have going here. So I'm excited to kick it off and inaugurate in uh, Devils in the Details. And that's right. This is a project we've been working on for a long time. We're doing a lot more things Devils this season. So we're definitely grateful to be able to have a, a space to talk about the Devils in addition to all of our editorial content, which will be coming up you know, every single week for the rest of the season. But to kick things off here for our first time talking about the Devils here at WSU Sports, um, I wanted to focus first on all of the offseason moves that the Devils have made because out of all the NHL teams, the Devils were one of the busiest this offseason between the NHL draft, between the free agency period, between a couple of trades. So me, John, Joe, we're going to break through all th- break down, excuse me, all the moves that the Devils made and we're going to give our analysis on it before we talk into some more preview of the season kind of stuff. So first, the first move I want to focus on was a trade that the Devils made. I believe it was back on, I will say, July. Yes, July 13th. <clears throat> they made a trade with the Boston Bruins. Obviously, Pavel Zaka was a former lottery pick for the New Jersey Devils, a sixth overall pick. He was traded to Boston for Eric Halla, a, a centerman, a, a bit of a veteran guy. Um, it was one for one, and this was a trade that was made, I think, right around the NHL draft. I think, I'm pretty sure it was before. Um, but, John, we'll start with you. Give me your thoughts on the move now that Pavel Zaka, who I know was a little bit frustrating to Devils fans for much of his time in New Jersey. Um, they're getting Eric Halla from Boston, but losing a guy who was a lottery pick at one point, uh, one for one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, frustrating is definitely one way to put it. Um, a lot of Devils fans have said a lot about Pavel Zaka. And, I mean, he put in the work over the years. He was loyal to the Devils and all of that. But, I mean, there's just he just never hit that stride, never got it. I think he's a guy that could use a change of scenery and maybe will have good years in Boston. That That's always the hope. Once a devil, always a devil, obviously. Um, but they acquire Hala, and it's a nice veteran. I think the Devils this offseason focused on adding more veteran pieces because for so long this has just been a young team, fun team as well. But we'll get into the rest of the moves as well. They're adding more pieces. They're getting older, which is always good because they're just so young. Some of those young guys need some veteran leadership. And that's what they're getting out of Hala. I mean, production isn't the main reason you do this trade. You just kind of need the depth at that point. I would have liked to get a pick for Zaka, but I know his value was extremely low. So this is the best the Devils are going to go. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with the trade. I'm satisfied. Yeah, and you mean you talked about like how they're adding a lot more veteran talent. And that's something that I found kind of interesting about the Devils and their approach this offseason because I didn't think that was going to be what they would go for. I mean, I, given the fact that they're – Still a younger team. They've still got these guys like Hughes and, you know, Heashier, like, and they they have Holtz in the system. They have, they have guys coming up. Like, I didn't think they were going to be ready to really try and compete yet. I thought they were going to take at least this year as, like, a 
stepping stone year, get the young guys up, get them some reps, and then in maybe a year or two, they start to bring in the, the veteran talent and try to make a push. Uh, so I was shocked that they I was shocked that they made this trade, even though Zaka's been kind of underperforming a, a little bit during his Devils tenure. Like, this was a guy who was still only 24 years old last year, put up, you know, 36 points. Like, that's a, that's a solid young talent to have on your team. Now you're obviously changing him out for a guy who's really proven and, and you know, is a real solid stud veteran in the hall, a guy who had 44 points last year. Um, so so I, I see the move there from a production standpoint. I was just a little just shocked to see the fact that they, they chose to go away from the youth and to trade for, you know, a veteran who's in his 30s. But, you know, like you said, John, if he comes in and he's able to be a good leader and still be productive in these, you know, later seasons of his career, I think this could wind up actually being a pretty underrated move, especially if, you know, Zaka doesn't really pan out with that change of scenery. I think that you, you could see that happen. Um, but again, I, I was just I was just intrigued by the fact that they made this trade and went this route. And as you talked about with some of the other moves, it does look like they've gone a little bit more veteran heavy lately. So I'm curious to see how that's going to play out uh, through this next season. Yeah, Joe, you bring up a good point at the end. It really didn't make a ton of sense at first to bring in a guy who's over 30 for a team that's obviously been rebuilding, you know, the last couple of years. And, you know, I think next year, I they imagine, based off the moves they made this offseason, for the time to finally make a playoff push, maybe snag a last wild card spot potentially in the Metro. I know the Metro is one of the toughest divisions in hockey, but I think that's where they see where the team's heading. Um, John, you mentioned with Pavel Zaka, I think many Devils fans, I think we're frustrated with his performance throughout his entire time in New Jersey. Um, his trade value is definitely much lower than it was maybe a couple of years ago where, you know, you kind of give him the leash. And I mean, you look through his entire career starting in 2016, his first full season from 2016 to 20 to 2022, his point totals read 24, 25, 25, 32, 35 and 36. So the definition of baby steps, there, getting a little bit better each year. And now we'll see if a change of scenery in Boston for a team that's, you know, actually older and looking to make one last playoff run with those guys. Be interesting to see how what he'll add to that Boston team as well. And we know Eric Kahlo will be at least some sort of veteran presence for this Devils team when they try to compete over the next few years. Which now leads me into the next move the Devils made, another veteran addition. They signed in free agency Brendan Smith, uh, an ex-Ranger, an ex-Hurricane. Um, he's played, you know, obviously a couple of teams for a two-year contract. He's a veteran. Um, we've seen him, I mean, going back to the Rangers, we saw him play with, with younger defensemen on a bottom pairing there. In Carolina, he was a little bit all over. Um, big utility guy. So, Joe, we'll start with you. What do you think of that signing? Because to me, that was a little bit surprising also right off the get-go. You see, I think I, I'm going to go the opposite of you. This was the kind of move that I wasn't that surprised by for the Devils because this was this is, I feel like, the kind of prototypical veteran move for maybe a younger team who's not ready to compete. Because Brendan Smith, you know, he he's a cheaper veteran defenseman who, you know, he, he's productive. He's not a superstar, but he's the kind of guy that, like, I feel like a young team, you sign him, you put him on, you know, your bottom pairing, and he's just there to provide stability, to to lead some of the younger guys in the locker room in that decor, um, and and just, like, be be a rock because he's he's a pretty dependable player. I mean, when he's on the ice, he's not going to wow you, but he just gets the job done. He's a he's a perfectly fine bottom pair defenseman. And so I feel like it's just a regular old, like, we need a defenseman. We need someone who's going to be able to log minutes for us, get some good shifts in. So they signed Brendan, Brendan Smith. I don't think he's going to wow this year. I don't think you're going to see him be, like, any sort of star or anything. But I think he's just going to be a good, solid defenseman that's going to, 
you know, help them win games, help them develop some of the young talent. So that that was kind of the the veteran move that I ex- more expected and more made sense to me, as opposed to like if they traded away a young guy for Brendan Smith, he was still on the contract. I wouldn't really get that, which is you know why I was surprised with the Hall of Trade. Uh, but with Smith, I feel like that's just a, a, a good savvy move to bringing a low cost defense. I mean, he's got some experience. He can teach some things to some of the younger guys on the team. He's been around the league before. I don't really see a problem with it. I totally agree with you, Joe. I have the same sentiment that I had about the Hollis trade, except obviously the Devils didn't have to give up anybody young or any pieces um, to acquire Brendan Smith. And the Devils have been developing a young defense for quite some time now. It's been a rotating cast of characters in and out, but more more coming in. We're going to get into Marino later. Um, they just drafted one as well, Nimich. So for Brendan Smith to come in, he's a veteran guy like you mentioned. To just be a leader, someone that's been around the league for a while. Yes, he's not a Hall of Fame player and all of that, but he's been in the league for a long time. He knows how to play. He's pretty solid. So if the defense needs some stability and leadership, Brendan Smith is exactly that. So solid move by the Devils. Again, not one that's going to win them a championship or wow anybody, but it's going to help a lot with the development of this defense and development of this team going forward. Yeah, John, I actually want to piggyback off what you just said a little bit and kind of twist it just a tad. I mean, Brendan Smith is the type of veteran leadership that you need on a Stanley Cup winning team. I mean, looking back to the to Colorado this past season, I mean, think of some of the veterans they had, you know, like an Eric Johnson, who obviously I think is better than Brendan Smith. But, you know, guys in that defensive core that are a little bit older in age but have been around for a bunch of years and, again, isn't going to be a franchise Hall of Fame player whatsoever, but bring that veteran that veteran influence on this Devils defense that obviously the last couple of years has not been great whatsoever. But now this year they made a lot of improvements in the offseason. You drafted Nemitz, who we'll get to in one sec. Um, you're going to have Luke Hughes coming up in a couple of years as well or potentially end of this year. Um, there's going to be a lot of young players on this blue line. And to have a guy in Brennan Smith who – has tutored some players before on other teams. Like, I, I think going back to the Rangers, I think he was paired with, like, Zach Jones and Nils Lundqvist maybe at one point. Definitely Zach Jones um, on their young blue line core, um, just to see that as well. So pairing him up with maybe a, Simone, a, a Simon Nemitz when he comes right out of um, the, potentially the draft this year or maybe give it a year for the Devils next season definitely will help out and sign to a cheap two-year deal, I think, won't hurt the Devils cap-wise as well, um, which now – We'll transition now to the NHL draft from this past summer. Um, I think for our, our episode two of Devils in the Details, we'll really do a deep dive into this, into the entire draft to them. But I want to focus really on Nemitz and maybe one or two other picks. So this year's draft was definitely controversial. I'll I'll start with that. Um, I know we've had some people, even some of our staff members who actually were at the draft. Um, I think a lot of Devils fans weren't expecting Simon Nemitz to be there. I think many wanted a, a certain center that is now a member of the Seattle Kraken and Shane Wright. But I'll go over the top three picks for the Devils. They drafted Simon Nemitz second overall. Um, That was, again, first round, second round overall. And the second round, 46th overall, you draft Samus Casey, who is a Michigan defenseman, who I think is a great pick as well. And then round three, we'll end it right there. Round four, excuse me. They drafted a goalie in Tyler Brennan um, from Manitoba, uh, who's, I know, someone to help their 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 goalie issues, which they've had as well, which we'll get to, I'm sure, in about five minutes. So, John, we'll start with you. Um, put us into your mindset that night when the Devils were on the clock. Your Isolov Kasi just got drafted by the Canadians, and they have, you know, anyone that they could pick Logan Cooley, they could pick Shane Wright, they could pick one of the defensemen, which they ended up doing. What were your thoughts? 
Well, I think everybody in the draft room expected Shane Wright to come off the board for the New Jersey Devils there. I think that was a sentiment. But, you know, I, I wasn't too surprised because of the issues that the Devils have had defensively. And I think that was a bigger need for New Jersey was getting that defense solidified. So I, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, I mean, shout out to Slovakia, of course. But I was a little bit surprised at this pick, although I am very happy with it kind of looking back now because, again, I think this guy is going to be a really great defenseman down the line, especially with the focus on development that the Devils have had with their defensemen. We mentioned the Brendan Smith signing already. So I saw an NJ.com interview. He compared himself to Adam Fox. And if this guy can become someone like Adam Fox, the Devils are in a really great spot. Um, he's a very well-rounded defenseman, a great facilitator, you know, compared to most defensemen around his age. I mean, that's he's number two pick for a reason. He's a really solid player. So, yes, I think most Devils fans were thinking, okay, we're going to get Shane Wright, and this is going to be one of the best center, you know, tandems in, in hockey history. But for Nemes to come off the board, it was a solid pick. It was a need-based pick. It was what the Devils needed to do. So it's not the flashy pick, but it's one of those picks that can end up winning you a Stanley Cup championship. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like the Nevich thing is like it, it's one of those picks that you first see it and you're like, this is horrible. What are we doing? But then you think about it for a little bit and you realize it actually does make sense because, like you said, John, I mean, Devils have had a lot of issues with defense in the past, and I mean, now in a couple of years you're probably gonna have a first line defense pairing of Luke Hughes and Simon Nevich, which is pretty much just absurd. I mean, that's probably if, if they both pan out. To what they can be that's got the potential to be the best defensive pairing in the league um the, the only thing i didn't really like about it is that like you said john this was a need-based pick which i totally get i totally understand but i feel like if you're the devils you have the number two pick i mean you're still a couple of years away from competing i feel like you might have to go best player available and th there are questions about shane right i mean we saw even the coyotes at three passed on him but i feel like you know I feel like it was Shane Wright this year in the whole draft process. It was kind of the the Kayvon Thibodeau effect to to transition it to the NFL, kind of. Like, Thibodeau, he was thought of as the number one pick consensus for so, so long. Like, people chalked him in. He's going first off the board. But then because of that, people almost got, like, bored of him and were kind of like, well, what about other guys? What other guys could go number one overall? And then they started really nitpicking Thibodeau and saying, oh, well, he he, he didn't do this great. He didn't do that great, but it was just really, really tiny red flags as opposed to some bigger red flags for other prospects. I feel that's kind of what happened to Shane Wright in the whole process. Like, we've heard about this guy being the number one overall pick for years since he was a teenager. And he finally gets there, and I feel like teams and, and you know, just fans and analysts in general overthought it a little bit. And we're like, well, maybe, maybe he's not. Maybe he's not the number one overall pick. Maybe he's not consensus. And sometimes it is that simple. Sometimes you're just a great player. And so I feel like not just the Devils, I feel like all three teams that were in the top three could wind up regretting their picks if Shane Wright lives up to the expectations that he's had for the past couple of years. Uh, so for that reason, I was a little wary of it because I felt like I felt like the Devils overthought it just a little bit. I feel like if you're a rebuilding team, maybe just maybe just take the guy who's been consensus best available. But if you're going to pivot from Shane Wright, I think the right move absolutely is Simon Nemitz because like we said, you now really help shore up your defense for the coming years. You get the best defensive prospect in the draft. Like you said, John, he could be Adam Fox. And I mean, I mean, Shane Wright, maybe he turns into, you know, a real high powered center. But Adam Fox is arguably the best defensive defenseman in the league. And at that point, it's just do you want a good forward? Do you want a good defenseman? 
doesn't really matter at that point in my mind. So if Nemec hits his ceiling, I don't think fans are going to be complaining at all about the fact that they passed on Shane right? even if he does live up to expectations. And again, maybe, I mean, we're, we're just fans. We're, we're, we're just, you know, people doing a podcast, right? We're, we're not NFL front office people. So they have access to a lot more data and a lot more info. And maybe Shane Wright does wind up being a bit of a bust. And there, there probably was a reason why he slid all the way to four after us hearing that he was the consensus for so long. So we'll, we'll just see how that plays out. Uh, but again, I, I feel like Shane Wright was definitely the more consensus pick from fans. I feel like that was the safer pick. But again, if your second choice is Nemich, you can't get much worse than that. Or you can't get much better than that. That's not what I meant to say. You can't get much better than that. Not, not you can't get much worse. Yeah, Joe, what you just said about like the Kayvon Thibodeau comparison is literally spot on what happened to Shane Wright. Because since he was 15, he was the number one overall pick for this draft. And the reason why he slid to four, a big reason, according to reports, was literally because teams thought he had a quote-unquote attitude problem in interviews which I think is absurd. I mean, this guy, I mean, you could see the compete in him even outside of that. I mean, for a guy of that caliber to drop to four, I still think is astonishing. But the thing with Shane Wright was he has the highest floor out of anyone in the draft. I think even a year from now, we can safely say that. But Logan Cooley might have higher upside. Slavkowski might have higher upside. Even Nemitz might have higher upside. But that was the reason why Shane Wright was the consensus for so long was because he had the super high floor. He's not going to be a superstar center in the NHL. I mean, I don't. At least I don't think so. I think he's he could be a a good, great center, like kind of in that tier, maybe borderline All Star every year. Um, he's not going to probably put up over a hundred points a year. He's not that type of player. He's a great two way player. Um, and again, it also. We, Talking about the COVID effect, him missing basically an entire season of junior play in Kingston, I think definitely hurt his draft stock just a little bit. I mean, and we saw a guy like Safkowski just skyrocket up to the top over like two months when he was he was like maybe like a top eight pick, maybe like in in May or April, and then all of a sudden, you know, his interviews went really well. He's a very personable, likable guy, and I guess his interviews were much better than Shane Rice because he obviously skyrocketed. Um, but at the time, like you guys have both said, at first I was just shocked. I was like, wow, they really passed on the guy with the, at least the highest floor in the draft. And you could have a, a top two center pairing of, you know, Jack Hughes and Shane Wright, or you could have put Jack Hughes and Shane Wright on the same line together. But now as I've thought about it more, like and you guys have mentioned, it makes a lot more sense. And But it makes the most amount of sense if the Devils, A, don't make the playoffs next year, and B, if they get at least a top 12 pick. Because next year's draft, the 23 draft, is the probably the best bet draft class in eight years. It's incredibly forward heavy, and there's really not a great defensive prospect as good as Nemitz or Yerichek from Columbus in that draft. So if the Devils, you know, are are better than last year, which I think will is most likely will happen, but not good enough to make the playoffs, and they're still in that range where they can get a really quality forward, especially because so many good forwards are going to slip in next year's draft because the, the talent is so immense, then I think it, it honestly will work out because it's much harder to draft defensemen in hockey, a franchise defenseman, than getting forwards. You know, there's it really is rare. You talk about how many great defensemen in the league. I mean, there's a lot of good young up-and-coming talent, but it's easier to draft a winger or a center as it is a franchise defenseman. So like I think, Joe, you mentioned, having Nemitz and Hughes as a top-line pairing will be probably the best pairing in hockey if they both pan out. Personally, I think Luke Hughes is the more the Adam Fox type than Nemitz. Um, I think Luke Hughes has the most amount of offensive upside for a defenseman prospect in the league right now. 
Um, Nemitz is a great two-way guy. I think he also does have a, a good amount of offense. I think that's why the Devils didn't draft Yerichek, who went to Columbus, because he's more of a two-way guy, but he's more on the defensive side, very physical, very big. Nemitz has a lot more flash to his game and I think has a little bit more offense. So I think this pick will end up being solid for the Devils. There is still a chance they could regret not taking Shane Wright or even a Logan Cooley for the upside. But nonetheless, defense was important. And again, if you're number two overall, usually you don't draft for need. You just take the best guy available. But luckily for the Devils, Nemitz was, you know, kind of checked off two boxes there. And, you know, they drafted Seamus Casey in the second round from Michigan. I think I could see him being a potential top four, top six defenseman. And I think drafting Brennan in the fourth round helps, too, because it was a very weak class for goalies for this this 22 draft class. But Brennan and I think it was Tapias Linen were like the two consensus ones, even though they weren't great. And the Devils got one of them. So I think that's a win as well. So that covers the draft, and we'll dive deeper into that next week. Um, but now let's move on to probably the biggest offseason addition. I would say there's two that come to mind, but this is one. Um, let's talk about the Andre Palat signing. So I think we're going to have a lot of mixed opinions on it. Um, five-year contract, um, veteran. He's won He's won his cups with Tampa. Um, I think people are – I think we're maybe a little bit confused at first, I would so to say. I mean, Andre Palat, I believe, yeah, he's going to be making $6 million a year. Um, he's 31 right now. It's going to the 26-27 season, so – that contract might not age very well in maybe two or three years. Um, but, John, we'll start with you. Um, what do you, what did you think of the signing? And do you think it'll be more beneficial or, I guess, negative for the Devils in the short term and long term? You had to start with me. I know you did. Um, but Andre Palat, straight out of Czechoslovakia, one of – I mean, Tampa Bay loves him. Cup winner. All of these things you could ask. The guy's over 30 years old. He signed to a five-year contract. He usually doesn't go too well. The money is – I love the player. And I've always been a big Andre Palat guy during his days in Tampa. I, I support my fellow Czechoslovak players as well. Um, but, I mean, this guy's a mid-40-point scorer. He's not a superstar per se, but he's getting paid really great money for production that is only going to fall off from here. So you may ask yourself, why in the world would the Devils even consider making this move? And I think this is the the Brendan Smith move, just a lot more money, a bit better talent, and a contract that's going to fall really hard in years three, four, five. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't know how long Andre Palat really has to be the player that he is right now. I think next year this is going to be a fine move for the New Jersey Devils. But when you have Palat at 35 and 36 and he's only putting up 20 something points maybe per season, this contract does not age well at all because the Devils are, are then going to be in a position where, OK, maybe we can win now. And then, oh, now we're bogged down by the Andre Palat contract. We can't make any big free agent signings. So this could go well because you have Andre Palat. You have another veteran who's been around, who knows how to win. Those are the players. I mean, you mentioned Brendan Smith being a piece and winning a Stanley Cup championship because you have that leadership in a position of need. And you can help develop those players just through the players and not, not even just coaching at that point. So Andre Pilat, I think he's still a pretty good player. He still has a ton of talent. I think he benefited a lot from the system of Tampa Bay. That's a whole different conversation. But Pilat on the Devils, uh, he instantly becomes one of the better players on the team. But Again, it's that contract. I love the player. The contract is not going to age well at all. So the Devils, I think they'll regret this in the last few years of the contract. I think they'll have the cap space to maybe handle it. But with contracts coming up, guys are going to need to get paid. You're going to need to pay Nico Heischer at some point and all of that stuff. So or worry about that contract. 
Um, it could be a mess. It could go well. Right now it's leaning towards mess uh, because salary caps are always tough to handle. But if the Devils handle the salary situation right, it will be okay for New Jersey. It just depends if Andre Pilat can keep up the performance going forward. Yeah, I think with Pilat, to me, everything makes sense about the move except for the team, right? In a vacuum, what he got as a contract, I don't think is that absurd. I think him getting a big deal like that, fair for the talent he is. I think it's just the fact that, again, that like it's the Devils that signed him, which is interesting given the fact that they're a younger team. They're not really win now. Like I feel like if if this was – if the Devils were a team that were already competing in the playoffs and were like a piece or two away from being a contending team, I think that the plot move would be generally seen as great. I think it's just the fact that they are a younger team. They're not really competing yet that people say, why are you doing this? The way I see it, I think the Devils are investing in their whole team by doing this move. I think they see bringing Palat in for this money. Yes, it's a lot. But A, he's going to help them win games right out the gate, right? He might not take them to the playoffs. He might not take them to a cup. But he's going to help them win more games. They're a better team with Palat than they are without. There's no question in that. Winning more games, that's going to create a winning culture for this team. That's just going to foster a better environment for the team as a whole. Secondly, he's a guy with championship pedigree. He's a guy who's been with the Lightning through all these playoff runs. And he's a guy who's produced in all these playoff runs for the Lightning. He knows NHL hockey. He knows playoff hockey, right? He's going to be a great, great mentor to some of the other guys on this team. Like, even right now. Daily faceoff, they're projecting, you know, the, the first line is Palat with Heeshear and Jesper Bratt, right? Like, him and Bratt, they could really, I feel like, play well together. I, I think that bringing Palat in, he can help out Bratt get, you know, to another level in his career. We'll, we'll talk about Bratt later on. But, like, I, th- th- that's just what I see from this move from a Devils standpoint. I mean, typically you think of it as you're you're paying for the player and you're paying for his production on the ice, and that's it. I think the Devils see it as he's worth a little bit more than that, right? Yes, he might not live up to that money points-wise, like what he does on the ice, right? He If he puts up 60 points, you're going to say, why are they paying that much money for a 60-point player? But I think that what he's going to do outside of the on-ice statistics of what he's going to do for that locker room, what he's going to do for their culture, what he's going to do for the development of some of the other younger players he's going to be playing with, I think that's going to be worth that extra money that they might have overpaid, or at least what the public thinks they overpaid on him. First of all, this is, I, th- I think it's easily the biggest contract that Plot's gotten so far in his career. So I think he wanted to leave Tampa to finally make money that he couldn't have made in the past because he was on a very team-friendly deal for a team that just kept winning Stanley Cup. So he won his Cups. Um, I think, like I think like Joe mentioned, the positive is he'll be a mentor. I don't think we could debate that. Like, being on a line with maybe Jesper Bratt, or I, I kind of hope he plays with Jack Hughes, too, which kind of makes a little more sense to me. Um, just being with guys like that and instilling that winning culture makes sense. But in terms of getting his playoff performance, which I think the contract – if you're going to justify paying him that much for a 31-year-old, it makes more sense if the Devils were guaranteed making the playoffs next season. So I think it's definitely, a, to me, a little bit confusing at first. Um, and first of all, we have to do the background of this, that this was a team that was two hours away from signing Johnny Goodrow, and this would be a whole different episode with a whole different podcast theme in mind if they were able to get one of the best players in hockey in Johnny Goodrow. 
I mean, Andre Pallad is not a bad, I guess, quote-unquote consolation prize. I, really, I don't really want to call it that because Pallad has won a lot more in his career than Johnny Goodrow has, despite Johnny Goodrow having, obviously, more talent. But Andre Pallad, um, if the Devils can sneak into the playoffs maybe next year and maybe in two years from now, then I think the first two years of the contract to three are the ones that are most important. Like you mentioned, John, the last two or three I think will be rough. But, you know, players like him were getting paid in the offseason, so the Devils were kind of, I think, matching it by the market value. Um, so I think in the long run, well, I mean, excuse me, in the short term, like John m- mentioned, it'll definitely help. But the second half could get a little bit difficult, you know, with with regression. Uh, I mean, talking about Tampa Bay, he was playing with Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos. And I think Jack Hughes in a couple of years is going to continue to get into that superstar level. But, you know, he was on a line with Kucherov in the playoffs. And he scored all those big goals with Kucherov passing him the puck. So he's going to need a, you know, a dynamic playmaker like a Jack Hughes to get him the puck like that, which is why they hope they play together. So moving on from Palat, who, again, he's still going to be a veteran. Definitely going to help the young guys grow. Let's move on to a little bit of the coaching staff. I just want to highlight one move because I think this is a little bit of a foreshadowing almost. I mean, it, it, it's it's hard to really predict what's going to happen. But they signed Andrew Brunette from Florida as an associate coach onto Lindy Ruff's staff. Andrew Brunette, I think, is an excellent head, uh, is an excellent head coach when he was coaching Florida um, as an intern in, the, in this past playoffs where he was going against Tampa Bay, which – Florida just can't be Tampa Bay, so I don't think that's really even his fault. And now he's on this Devils coaching staff, and you saw what the Florida team did under him, winning a President's Trophy. I mean, Joe, we'll start with you. What does this move mean for the Devils now and in the future? This is a great move, and I I think just further highlights everything else that we've talked about, all these other moves they've made. It seems confusing to the outside eye, right, because the Devils have been so bad lately. But I think they really think they're close to competing and that they're really going to start to make a push to build a winning culture. And what better way to build a winning culture than bring in the coach who, for for at least part of the season, coached the best team in the league last year, regular season-wise, right? Like, you're bringing in a guy who definitely knows how to win in the regular season. Yeah, like, like, like you said, like, they got swept in the playoffs, right? Sure, that's not great. That's not a great look for you as a coach. But you got swept by the Lightning, who were the two-time defending champions and also went to the Cup again this year and ultimately lost. And like you said, too, the Panthers just can't beat the Lightning, right? Like, it's just, it's just like, almost a fact in hockey at this point. Like, Panthers aren't beating Tampa. So I don't think that you can really blame Brunette for all of that. And I think this the Panthers in general. I've been, I've been kind of just confused about some of the things they made, like the trade they made for, to, you know, Chuck over the offseason, like shipping away Huberdeau and uh, what's his name? We are like just weird, weird move to move on from Brunette and bring in a new face. Like, I just don't like what they're doing with all their offseason stuff. So I think that, A, it, it was a mistake by them to let Brunette go and a great move by the Devils to bring him in. Especially to the fact that you mean you're you're not just dumping him in to be the head coach. You bring him in as an assistant now. Him alongside Lindy Ruff, like you, you can almost see him as maybe he takes over eventually for Lindy Ruff if he ever leaves, if he ever moves on. Like I think he's a great just coach to have in the building. And like you said, it's gonna be an underrated move. But again, I think it just goes back to they're trying to build a winning culture. And you're bringing in a coach who knows how to win. I think it's a great move. And I really do think that, again, it just shows that the, this Devils team, or at least the Devils front office, they think they're close. They signed Palat. 
They made a trade for Eric Halla, which seems like a contending team type move. They bring in Brunette like the front office thinks that they're on the verge of making a playoff run. And if they do, Brunette's the kind of guy who's going to be able to help the players in that scenario. I completely agree with that. I think um, the Devils just hired the next head coach of the New Jersey Devils uh, at some point. So I think the next head coach of the New Jersey Devils will be Andrew Burnett at some point. Uh, management, I agree, does believe that this Devils team is close to at least competing. Now, I'm not saying they're Stanley Cup contenders or anything of that nature, but this team believes that, okay, if we add veterans, we add some extra pieces, we add a guy like Pilat, you know, this is a playoff team. And this team can definitely see into the playoffs if all things go right. And if they're able to maximize their talent, and that's exactly what a coach like Andrew Burnett was able to do because yeah, the Florida Panthers are a great team just without him. But being able to maximize talent the way that Burnett did this past season, phenomenal. And I think that's something that the Devils haven't been able to do. They've had a lot of talent, a lot of young players, and even some solid rotation players in there as well. But the talent wasn't able to perform at its best. And when you have a solid coaching staff like they already have, Ruff is a solid coach, and then you add in Brunette, who is just phenomenal and has done a great job. I think this move can be celebrated even more than most of the free agent signings even. So for Brunette to come in, he is going to be a leader. He's going to help out Ruff a lot. And in a moment, five years, three years, however long Lindy Ruff uh, plans on coaching for, then Andrew Burnett will most likely be the next step in line to take over for the New Jersey Devils. So a great move by New Jersey. You get a solid associate head coach candidate. Burnett, he is that guy. And I think, too, like like you mentioned, John, I, I mean, I agree. I think that they that he, he's going to be the next head coach eventually. And I think that's part of what this signing was, too, is like, I'm, again, going to throw another analogy. Like, I, I think to, like, even in, like, within the NHL and, like, other other sports, like, at the trade deadline, right, when there's a rental who who's on the move, a lot of the time the reason will that teams will, will make a trade for them, even if it's not going to, like, help them compete and put them over the hump, it's because you get the guy in the door, right? And you can say you 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 put your player on you put the player on your team for half the season and he gets used to what it's like and instead of like when you're going to try and sign him in free agency you have like maybe two days to show him the facility you know wine him and dine him a little bit you get to bring him in for a full pretty much half season and he gets to see the environment see what things are are like so that when it comes time for him to make a free agency free agency decision he already has a good half a season of familiarity with the team. And, you know, he, he's got his foot at the door already. I think that's the same thing what they're doing with Brunette. Instead of waiting until they need to hire a new head coach and, you know, hoping that they can bring Brunette in for a week and convince him to come to the Devils, they're getting him into the team early. They're getting him into the front office early. He gets used to what the team's like. He gets used to, you know, how the team operates so that if when they do decide to maybe transition over to him, it's a seamless transition. It's an easy transition for him. He doesn't have to just come right in and having to have a period where he has to get adjusted to New Jersey, get adjusted to the team and the players on it. And it's perfect to say what that does for team culture because of how easy that transition is going to be when that eventually comes. I know we still got some time before then, but these players are going to be used to brunette. A lot of these guys are going to already like brunette. 
They don't have to hire a new system. They don't have to change a lot. It's going to be a smooth transition. I'll give you a direct comparison. Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley. You have an older head coach, and then you have someone who's not a bit younger, not as young as Lincoln Riley was coming in, but someone who maybe is a bit flashy, someone that a lot of people like. Um, and you have Lindy Ruff, who's getting on the older side, maybe looking to step away from the game soon. Hopefully, uh, Andrew Burnett doesn't pull a Lincoln Riley and go out west, but that's a whole different story for another day. I know we keep switching sports here, but it's what we got to do. Um, but again, perfect transition potentially, but even just having these two guys, Ruff and Burnett on the same staff, also a really good situation. So the Devils coaching staff have had some issues in the past, but now it's really been solidified and really stable so far. Wow, you guys just gave like three excellent examples, but I think the one that just was screaming out to me like, wow, why have I not thought of it like this before was, yes, it makes sense that Brunette is most likely the next coach of the Devils. Lindy Ruff, I know Lindy Ruff and Jack Hughes, they're really close. Like, I don't know how much of a leash Lindy Ruff has in New Jersey anymore. Um, It'll be interesting. I think this is a huge year for him. I think, um, Great. I think either you, John, or Ryan Henry is writing an article about how it's the most important season yet for him. Um, but the reason why they're they're signing him so early is because of what Joe just said. Not only because, like, to have him on this coaching staff that was, you know, had his fair share of woes last season, but to take him off the coaching market potentially. And let's say Lindy Ruff's gone in two years from now. Let's say that as an example. Andrew Burnett. Let's say he's not hired by someone then would easily be the hot, maybe like the best coaching commodity out of any of the available coaches that teams need around the league in maybe two years from now. But to already have him on the staff, that's like the in already. Like the Devils have the in with him. It's, it's, it's such an easy transition, like both you guys were mentioning, to go from a guy who was the associate head coach to, you know, immediately the, the head coach. Like it, it's a no-brainer. Devils A++ with this move. Probably, in my opinion, their best move of the offseason just because of the long game, especially if he is the coach of the team someday. Now let's move on. We have kind of three more bigger moves, and then we'll recap the last couple, I guess, quote-unquote minor moves in one take almost. But one of the three that's left, we have to talk about the Ty Smith-John Marino trade. Um, I, I compare this a little bit to the Pavel Zaka trade, except I think the Devils are getting back a really good defenseman in John Marino. Um, I like John Marino a lot better than, than Eric Halla. But this was a trade that the Devils made um, that where they gave up Ty Smith and a 23, 2023 third-round pick for Pittsburgh's John Marino. Um, Joe, we'll start with you. Um, what did you think of the move? Um, and do you think John Marino is definitely an upgrade over Ty Smith? I, I, I'm going to start with, I'm a big fan of John Marino, right? He's been a productive player for Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's been a good team. Like, he, he put in some decent minutes in the playoffs. The thing is that I, I also did like Ty Smith quite a lot. He was still young. He showed a couple of flashes. And, and so for that reason, I mean, for that reason, I, I think Marino's a good player, but I don't know if I see it so much as, like, an upgrade. I see this as kind of just, like, a lateral move. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like, I feel like you're not getting much more in Marino versus Smith. Yes, you have more experience and you have more winning, which again, I think further re- I think this move also further reinforces they want guys who have been on winning teams. They want to build a winning culture. I really think that's what they're going for this offseason. Um, but I think, you know, I, I don't think it's like a huge drastic, like the decor got so much better or it got way worse. I, I think that Ty Smith and Marino between their production slash age differences, I, I think it kind of just balances out to, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be that drastic of a difference. Uh, I mean, at least on ice of having Marino versus Ty Smith. Um, 
throw in the fact that they had to give up a pick two to get Marino. I I, I, I really don't see this as any sort of win versus loss uh, for the Devils or the Penguins. I, I think it's, again, I think it's just a straight up lateral move. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I didn't see this as a as a huge flash. I didn't see this also as a huge upgrade. Um, I was a little surprised that a third round pick was even thrown at this. I think Marino's a better player, but it's I don't want to call it risky. But do we really know if Ty Smith? It, well, what is his ceiling? He showed a lot of flashes of being a lot better than he was showing. And if you pick up John Marino, who you know is a winner. I, I, I like that aspect. I think this is another move, Joe, that shows kind of the point that we've all been trending towards that the Devils think that they can win. And when you have John Marino, someone who's a proven winner, who has played with winners a lot throughout his whole career, um, it's a big move to make because you have Ty Smith, who's still young, who's still developing. I think both of these players enjoy the change of scenery that they're about to get. So Marino is a good move because if the Devils need to build, I guess he's young, but he has a lot of that veteran aspect to him, a lot of that veteran vibe to the way he plays and to the way that he carries himself throughout the locker room as well. So Marino, I like the acquisition. I think maybe they gave up a, a bit for him. I would have liked to keep Ty Smith maybe for a little bit longer, but the Devils want to win. They're going to have to get winners, and John Marino is definitely a winner. See, see, I, I understand what you guys are saying. I think I'm just more high uh, higher on this move than you are, than both you guys are, because this is what the Devils, I think, probably are regretting not doing with Pablo Zaka, because I think um, Ty Smith, obviously, with the Devils, was a high – draft pick. I mean, 2018, 17th overall. I mean, this was a guy that, that they were expecting to, to play a top four role for this team probably for the next eight to 10 years. But, you know, really underproduced so far through two seasons. He had 23 um, his rookie season and only 20 last season. I think they're selling him now right when his value, like, it, it, I'm not going to say it's at an all-time high, but it's at a number that's more respectable than what it could be next year. Let's say he puts up 15 to 20 points again. His value is going to go down even more. So I think, you know, kind of forecast that maybe Ty Smith could be on the quote-unquote bust watch, just like Zaka was going along those lines as well. I think selling on him early just to change it around for what they did with Zaka and getting a defenseman who Marine and Marino, who obviously his points aren't crazy, but you mentioned he's 25, but he's he's been playing on this Penguins team that's always been going through the playoff rounds with Sidney Crosby and Malkin. Um, he's a great defensive defenseman as well. Um, I mean, this this past season he had 25 points, which I know was only a couple more than Ty Smith. But he's just he's just a better player all around than Ty Smith is, and he and he's only three years older. It's not even like the Eric Halapavazaka where he's like six to seven years older. The age discrepancy isn't that big, um, and maybe Ty Smith will turn into something. Maybe he's the type of guy that needs a completely new setting. You know, he's going to be going to a completely different team. He's going to be playing in Pittsburgh with Sidney Crosby and Malkin. Maybe he'll start to explode more offensively. But for what the Devils need, and because they're going to have big offensive guys on the on the, the blue line like Luke Hughes and, and Simon Nemitz, having some defensive defensemen like him, we'll talk about Jonas Siegenthaler in a second too, I think will only help them in the long run. So I'm a huge fan of the move, and I'm excited to see John Marino as a Devil as well. And I'm sure teams in the Metro aren't going to be happy they still have to play against him, you know, just like they were when he was on the Penguins as well. Um, and now we have two more major moves to discuss before we hit some of the minor ones. Um, this one, I think probably outside of brunette is the most important addition for the devils because this is the biggest area of concern from them. It has been their goaltending last season. Their goaltending was just atrocious. Mackenzie Blackwood 
was 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 underperforming. He was hurt. They had got yeah John Gillies and Jonathan Bernier. You had Nico Dawes, Akira Schmid, all these different goalies playing, and that was a real reason why the Devils just weren't that good of a team last season. Their offense, I don't think, was an issue whatsoever. I think we've agreed on that. Their offense is young, evolving, adding a couple of veteran players. Their offense, is, I think, is going to be decent this year. Their defense got better. That last question mark that could maybe even bring them into a playoff spot as early as this year is the goaltending. And they signed Vitek Vanasek from the Washington Capitals. Um, I'm a bit of a homer with this one. Obviously, I actually got to talk to him over the summer when he got signed. So I, I'm a big fan of him. He's a very nice guy. Um, I think he's going to be a great goalie for them. I mean, we, I guess we can imagine that him and Blackwood are going to be a tandem, at least for this season. Um, but I, he played in Washington. I liked what I saw from him in Washington with him and, and Sam Sonoff. Um, Joe, we'll start with you. Do you think this helps solve the Devils goalie troubles that they've been barred with the last three to four years? Since Honestly, since Marty Brodeur retired, if we're going to be real. I think absolutely, and I think that this was my favorite move the Devils have made all offseason. Um, because, and before I get into it, PSA to the rest of the NHL, stop trading away your young goalies. Like, what are we doing? Nedeljkovic got traded last offseason, and he's going to be really good. He was a Calder finalist, and then he just got shipped away. And this year, Capitals did it too, because he was the best goalie on their team last year like they have Samsonov who's another young goalie and actually is younger but Menesek was better than him last year and they do wind up signing Darcy Kemper so that makes their their you know goalie situation improve but like at the time that was a risky move because they just they traded away their best goalie and they hadn't signed anybody yet so luckily they did get Kemper but like that was a that was a rough move when I first saw it from the Capitals' perspective. But for the Devils, great because I mean this guy, like I said, he's good. It was only his second season in the league last year. He was the best goalie on the Capitals. He was even just NHL wise not great, but I mean he was not bad. I mean he had a better goals against average than some guys like Thatcher Demko, who's really thought of as you know a great young and upcoming goalie guy like Spencer Knight. I mean Leonard on on, on uh. Vegas, Cam Talbot, like he was better than all those guys last year statistically. His, his save percentage not great towards the bottom of the league, but you know maybe you can contribute to that. You know the, the defense didn't play great ahead of him. The, the Devils they invest in defense this off season, so good defense could could help that number get a little better. Um, but like he, he point blank, he's a good goalie and he's a young goalie and. Based off those two things, you have to think he gets better. And to get better from where he already is, he starts pushing into, like, top 15, top 10 goalie in the league territory. So for the Devils to bring him in because the Capitals just decided, let's give him away, absolutely fantastic move. I love that for the Devils. And I, I really think that he I, – I think that he's going to wind up being the goalie for at least the next five years on this Devils team. I've I've always been high on him these last two years when he's been in Washington. And I think that he's just going to get better. And especially, you know, like we mentioned, the Devils, they're focused on trying to build a winning culture. They're focused on bringing in some good vets on, on defense and things like that. I think that he's going to have a great season this year. And I think he's really going to prove himself as a, like, I, I think within two, three years, you're going to be talking about him as a top 10 goalie in the league. For the Devils, they have tried so long to develop a goalie in-house, in-home, 
And to be frank, it hasn't worked. It, it, it has not been working. You only strike a talent like Martin Brodeur so many times, actually only once. Um, it's, it's tough to get the greatest goalie of all time more than once. So, But for Vanacek to come in, it's a great signing. It's a great pickup. The Devils have a reliable goaltender. And for Mackenzie Blackwood kind of going on him, I think he was a guy that would do really well as a backup goalie, would do really well pl- not playing as many games for Vanacek to be the main guy. Great move for the Devils. I mean, I remember begging the Devils to get Ben Bishop back so long ago. They never did it. But acquiring a veteran goalie who's, I, you, I mean, you mentioned the save percentage. It, it, there's a lot of improvement left for Vanacek to go to go through. But in this new change of scenery for the Devils, I mean, he'll have a former Penguin guarding a former uh, defending former former Capital. That'll be interesting. But the Devils finally have a consistent goalie, a reliable goalie. It's probably the best goalie that the Devils have, have had in quite some time. So no matter what, a positive move for the Devils, the goaltending upgrades, and this could be the difference between a playoff team and not a playoff team, this move right here. So New Jersey has a goaltending answer. We'll see just how big of an answer that this goaltending move will be. Time will tell on that. But when you require a young goalie like this, the only way you can really trend is up most of the time. We'll see if the Devils can do that. You guys, I think we're both spot on with this one. Um, I think at least for year one, what I've heard and I think what the consensus, it will be a little bit of a tandem, especially because I think the Devils want to see if they can get Blackwood back from injury, see what can happen with him. But, John, you just mentioned it. I think he's a good backup. I don't think he's a starting NHL goalie anymore. Um, I think you got to ride Vanacek. He's the guy that could get hot, you know, and, and, and potentially carry you to a, you know, a fourth and final playoff spot, wildcard spot. He's that type of player. I think he has that capability. And, Joe, you mentioned, I don't understand what some of these teams are doing. I mean, even getting rid of Sam Sonoff, too. I mean, Darcy Kemper, I mean, he was on the, the best offense on the planet with the best defenseman on the planet. Like, the, the Capitals don't have that. They're an aging team. I, I mean, I, I would rather have the two young goalies and let them ride it out and then maybe, you know, re-sign them and then trade them if one of them gets really good over the other for assets as opposed to, to you know, basically letting them walk. I mean, I, I don't understand what the Capitals were doing there. But for the Devils, I think it, it's, a, it's a great deal. I think it's three years, I believe. Three years is the contract. That, so at the start of their window, so to say, at 3.4 mil, maybe it'll be a little bit higher if he turns into, you know, a, a really good goalie, like you mentioned, maybe a top 15 goalie by the end of it. We will only wait and see. But the last move we have to talk about, um, I have very mixed feelings about it because I think, unfortunately, the Devils mismanaged this entire situation. I mean, just being plain and simple. Um, The Jesper Bratz situation, I think, is really difficult because there's a real chance that um, they could lose him after this year. I mean, I know he's an RFA still, but the fact that they couldn't get him locked up when I mean, I just wrote about an article for for, for our, our site about Jack Hughes, about how such an incredible move Thomas Sherrill made signing Jack Hughes up before he's going to break out at like $8 million a year, which is going to look like a steal. Even after you saw Tim Stutzel's contract, as he's making more than Jack Hughes, which is, you know, absurd. I thought the Devils would have kind of really, once they saw Brad break out last year, halfway through it, you know, pay him because he is – you know, I think he's a franchise cornerstone at this point. He's going to be a part of that top six if they can get him under contract for a real long time. I know this year with the whole qualifying, I think he's at like one year, I'm going to say six, no, 5.45, which I think he's worth a lot more than that. I think getting him on like some sort of Nico Keisher, like seven mil a year contract isn't terrible. 
Um, I mean, he might even be more than that. I, I thought I saw some teams were potentially going to offer him more. So I think signing him for this year, obviously, thank God the Devils got him back. But I think for the long term, they weren't as savvy as they were compared to the Jack Hughes signing. Um, I know obviously with Dougie Hamilton, you had to you had to overpay a defenseman like that so he can come to New Jersey. Um, but after what they did with Jack Hughes, um, definitely a little bit surprising for me that this Jesper Brett situation wasn't settled earlier. John, we'll start with you. I, I totally agree. This is a guy that you have to lock up as soon as possible, especially when you see him play the way that he's played. And after a team like the Devils signs an Andre Palat contract, you wonder where are the Devils putting their money? What is going on with Jesper Bratt? Is there more going on that we maybe don't know about, too, in terms of internal discussions of how much money does Jesper Bratt expect? Um, is this is this a $9 million situation even with, with how young Bratt is and where he can go? The Devils, again, they put a lot of money towards other places. But at the end of the day, when you have a guy as talented as Jesper Brad, as a guy who I think will break out this season, we'll get into that later, such a franchise talent, a cornerstone. You can have that big three of Brad Hughes and, and Heischer, which is phenomenal for Jesper Brad, one of the best young offensive scorers in the NHL. The Devils have to lock him up. Arbitration, one-year deal, I mean, this is fine for this season. We'll, we'll, they'll let it rock. They'll let it go. But – there has to be a way. I don't think the devil should really worry about how much money you have to pay a guy like this. When you have someone who's such a great young talent who hasn't even hit his ceiling yet, I think, you have to lock that up. If a guy is going to be a 70-point scorer, you have to. There's no other option. And again, when you sign some of the other contracts the Devils have signed, they clearly have the money to go out and do it. It's just a matter of why not. What has been going on internally? Is it a year's issue? Does Jesper Bratt want a longer contract than the Devils are willing to sign him for? That may be the issue. But with someone as good as Jesper Bratt is, I want him as long as possible. So that's a whole different story. So the Devils, at some point, got to get down to the table, got to sign this long-term contract, and Jesper Bratt should be a Devil for life. Yeah, I don't think anybody's, like, mixed on whether or not the Devils should sign him. I think any... Any knowledgeable hockey fan out there knows that he's a great player. He should be under contract for the foreseeable future. And like you said, John, I think we just don't know the specifics of it because obviously I, I think the front office would also want to lock him up. Um, I think Brett would want to stay on, on on the Devils, given that he's already been there for most of his career. So I, I, I think we can't really speculate on what's actually going on. I think the important thing for me, though, is that it hasn't happened yet, right? Like, the the big separation hasn't happened yet. He's still on the team this year. They have him under contract for one more season, and that means, A, he's going to play for the Devils for this season. But like we talked about with uh, with Brunette, like, he's in, he's in the building, right? You have Brett in the building for another year. You have bought yourself a whole year to keep negotiating with him, to keep figuring out how to go about tackling that contract issue. And I really do think that, the Devils will be able to figure it out. I think, you know, like like we said, like he's a great player, 70-point player, and he's 23 years old, hasn't even really broken out yet. The guy you want to lock up, the Devils know they want to lock him up. I think that they've bought themselves another year to, to really dive deep into the whole negotiation uh, side of things. And, I, I mean, I ultimately think that by season after this upcoming season, Brett will be back on the ice again with a new contract. I don't think it's a matter of them losing Brett. I think it's just after this season, after, you know, he had 73 points this season with the team's leading scorer. Put him with Jack Hughes for another year. The guy can maybe break, you know, potentially 80. He's going to want 
even more money than this past offseason. And after giving that type of contract to uh, like Andre Pilat, um, I think Devils fans, I'm sure, would be devastated if somehow they lost Jesper Brad and signed Andre Pilat when Jesper Brad is, what, 23, 24? Like, come on. That, that's just kind of simple math right there. But um, they really got to figure out a way to, to extend him in any way, shape, or form possible. Um, try to make it as team friendly as possible. But if you if you're if you're Brat and if you're his agent and you're that camp, you want as much money as possible because this guy broke out last season and he's only going to get better as guys like Jack Hughes is going to get better and and Nico Heischer is going to get better in that top six. Um, and especially maybe if he's on the same line as Andre Pilat as well would really really be interesting. Um, just to see how they would mesh together. You know, he 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 could he could put up a ton of points every year. So Devils got to make sure they sign him. Um, to a better extension, like something similar to the Jack Hughes kind of steal that they did. Um, but the last part of the offseason, I want to just, I'll mention a couple of names. You guys just give me your overall opinions on them. Um, in between Vanacek and Bratt, they re-signed Jesper Boquist. They re-signed Jonas Siegendaler, uh, re-signed Tice Thompson, brother of uh, Tage Thompson, who also just got paid this offseason. Um, they re-signed Miles Wood as well. Um, so those th- throwing those names around, I know that those aren't the caliber like we were just mentioned before. Um, what were your thoughts on them? Did you agree with it, disagree with it? Joe, we'll start with you. Just pick whoever you want or if you want to talk about all of them. Um, I mean, I think they were all just I, – I think the biggest thing for all of them is con- continuity, right? We talked about building a winning culture and how we think the doubles are doing that. I think these are great moves to do that, right? Like maybe, you know, Siegenthaler or, or Thompson, like they're not superstar free agent signings, right? But they're guys that have been in the building, that know the team before, know the system – and you keep them on the team. The way that good teams become great is through consistency and through having the same guys every year, year in, year out. I mean, the teams that keep shuffling players in and out, in and out, in and out, they're the ones that are real volatile. And you never know what happened, and they can fall apart and collapse randomly. So I think it's just a, a good, wise, savvy move to get some of these guys, you know, who, who maybe aren't the stars of your team but are really, really crucial and important role players on this Devils team. You keep them in the building be able to keep them going, maybe develop them a little further. I don't see any problem with any of those re-signings. I think they're all great moves. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you could all kind of put them in that same conversation as these are the depth pieces, these are the solid players that you need to have in order to build that winning culture and continue. The Devils have struggled over the past few years ever since that that Stanley Cup appearance to create that consistent winner and to create a consistent culture, whether it's a locker room, whether it's just a general vibe around the team, because there's been so many moving parts around the New Jersey Devils, and a lot of that has to do with trying to find out the players that are going to make you a consistent winner, the players that you want to keep around, and the Devils are at a point where they have the players that they want to keep around, especially a guy like Miles Wood, who I like a lot, and Siegenthaler has emerged as well, and now the Devils are starting to add those veteran pieces, and they're young guys who are really going to become superstars he's and Hughes are stepping up and they're going to resign Brett I hope so that'll happen as well now you add these other guys in there and keep these guys around in the building and all of that the Devils are slowly but surely building a winning culture and building a winner they just need to develop their young talent and just get a little bit better on the goaltending and maybe even defensive end but they have a lot of young pieces there as well these guys are really important they're sticking around it's great to see for the New Jersey Devils no, everything you guys said is true. And out of all those moves, the one that I like the most is honestly the, the Jonas Siegenthaler move. I think they extended him for about five years, I'll say. Yeah, it's like five years at 3.4. And he's a great defensive defenseman. He doesn't put up a ton of points, obviously. But if, if we imagine this d- defenseman core, let's say two years from now, when everyone's called up, um, what it potentially could be, assuming no additions or subtractions, of like 
you know, assuming they could still afford and everything, I'm sure Dougie Hamilton, will, Dougie Hamilton will still be a devil. But like Dougie Hamilton, Luke Hughes, Simon Nemitz, uh, I mean Yo- Jonas Siegenthaler, John Marino, and maybe like one other defenseman, maybe like a Seamus Casey. That's a that's a good top six defenseman core. Um, and I think they might even make some more moves by the time they're in a real contention window for a cup in a couple of years as well. Once those guys really pan out, but I mean Hughes, Nemitz, and uh, Hamilton alone, I think that those are going to be three, you know, elite defensemen. I think by the time Hughes and Nemitz come up and become elite like they should be, Hamilton could be regressing a little bit just because he is a little bit on the older side, even though he will be a devil for a long time. But like Jonas Siegenthal or John Marino, uh, I, I really, I really love uh, same as Casey, but also they got um, Shahira Mahukamadulin, who's in their prospect system, a couple other prospects on the D side that they have. Um, so I think their defenseman core, which has been an, uh, an absolute liability the last couple of years, is definitely going to change into an advantage, I think, within a year or two with, with, the, with these moves. Um, and real quick, shout out Cade Madigan, who I believe was signed this, earlier this offseason. Uh, she actually announced the, the Simon Nemitz pick at the draft. I think it's great that you know we saw a lot of women in the NHL get these high-ranking jobs, um, and she, she has a great hockey background as well, Kate Madigan. So that's another great move by the Devils um, just to have her on board, you know, right under uh, Tom Fitzgerald in, in that hierarchy for now. She could be a future GM someday. We, we will wait and see. I mean, I think there's a couple of women like her around the league that they're starting out as assistant GMs, you know, still high up on the totem pole, and they could really explode in a couple of years when there's an opening, just like any other GM. And it could be really interesting to see um, what she'll bring to the Devils this year as well. Um, but we'll wrap things up with one more question for you guys because we'll focus on a little bit more on the draft and some of the younger players next uh, next week for, for that uh, the second episode. Let's end with your favorite player uh, to watch for the 22-23 season and give me uh, a breakout candidate that you have. Um, try not to pick the same player for both because I think they're two different categories almost. Um, but, Joe, we'll start with you. I break out this year. I'm expecting big things out of Igor Sharon Gobish uh, this upcoming season. I think that He's going into his third year in the league, right? That's that's typically, I mean, across all sports, too. Like, your third year in the league, you've got your first two out of the way. That's when you start to see big leaps. He's a guy who's been pretty productive through his first two seasons. His first year as a rookie, 2020, 20, 21, 22 years old, 30 points, right? Not that bad. Last year, bumps it up to 46 in 76 games played as a 23-year-old. Now heading into his third season, as of right now, projected to be on the second line for the Devils, according to Daily Faceoff, right? He's going to be playing probably with one of Heashier or Devils, depending on, you know, w- w- which winds up being the second line center. And, I mean, also projected on that second line is Dawson Mercer on the other wing. So he's going to be on a good, productive wing. And, like, if Jack Hughes starts off the season as the second line center and Hughes takes the jump, like, Sharon Govich can be the guy that Hughes really keeps feeding the puck to. And Sharon Govich can be really scoring a lot of goals for Hughes. Obviously, Hughes is going to get his own. But I, I just think that Sharon Govich, he's found himself in a good situation. He's going to be surrounded by a lot of talent, depending on what line he's on. And he's a good young talent himself. He's only improved so far through his first two years in the season. And there's no reason for me to not believe he can take another step further. And again, I really think that he's going to have a pretty good season. And I mean, he's really going to solidify himself as part of this future core for the Devils. I, what I love about the Devils is that there are so many answers to this question, and that's what's going to make them a great team going forward because you can pick a lot of players. 
I think in terms of a favorite player to watch, I'm going to stick with Jesper Bratt because he is a guy that is going to want to earn that money. If he can hit that 80-point mark, 90-point mark even, if he has a great year, then he is going to earn as much money as he wants, whether it's from the Devils or whether it's from anybody else who has cap room at this point. So Jesper Bratt, I mean, he's such a fast player. He's one of the top young players. We talked about him all day. So I think we've said enough about Jesper Bratt, but he is my player to watch because of how he's going to earn that contract. Breakout candidate, I love Sharon Govich. I'm going with the fan favorite, Dawson Mercer, to have a really great season this upcoming year. 20-year-old center, adding some center depth to this squad, and he could be even more than depth at some point in his career. 42 points, 17 goals, 25 assists starting out his career is just a great, really great rookie season, really great start to his career as well. And he's also a fan favorite. He's interviewing Young Gravy at the VMAs. He's just the guy that you love to be around, and he's also pretty good at hockey. So... I think Dawson Mercer also has a lot to his game. He's been a great facilitator. And when you mention guys like Sharon Govich, when you mentioned, you know, you add Pilat in there as well, he can maybe get some burn with him at some point during the season. So for Dawson Mercer, he's a guy that has potential to move up this depth chart, move up the lines. And he's a really great piece for the Devils. And another reason to show that the Devils have been drafting really well these past few years. They've had some misses, but when you have as many draft picks as the Devils have, you're going to have some misses. Dawson Mercer, definitely one of those hits. And he definitely has a high ceiling. Yeah, John, I mean, the, the Devils, I think, have more have, have landed more picks than missed on picks the last couple of years. Wasn't Jesper Bratt like a sixth-round pick, too, or something like yep. that? Sixth-round steal. Yeah, I mean, like— I'll sign him. I mean, th- that, that could be one of the best draft picks in, in Devils history already, getting a guy that caliber in the sixth round, which is just absurd. I can't believe teams didn't— see any resemblance of that talent early on even though Jesper Brett kind of had a slower start to his NHL career but look where he is now like he's entering his prime and he, he could be a 70 to 80 point score every season which is crazy um for me uh my favorite player to watch this season is, I'm gonna it sounds like a homer still but I, I'm gonna go with Vitek Vanacek as their goalie um because I still think he is the key for them to take that next level with the goaltending um I think the offense will be there just like last season I think their defense will be at least serviceable this season um, I think Luke Hughes could come after uh, the Michigan season ends. You know, he's a sophomore. I could see him, like I wrote about in my article, um, like Owen Power did, finish up the Michigan season and get the nine-day or the nine-game trial run at the end of the season, so it doesn't burn off a year of his of his ELC. And then Nemitz probably might come uh, next season. I don't think he's. In, I, I'd be surprised if he's a Devil this season already. I mean, I know he's a top two pick, but we've seen a lot of players go back to junior or um, even the AHL or, or wherever they're coming from or college to get another year. Um, so I'll go with Vanacek as my player to watch. Uh, my breakout candidate. Um, it's a little bit. Um, I guess I'll say risky. Um, because first of all, John with Dawson Mercer. Um, I think Jawson Mercer is could be a great player in their top six eventually. He could also be like a three C for them, especially in a couple of years when they have that contention window. If they add one or two more pieces. He could be an excellent three C in the NHL, no doubt about it, as well. Um, and Joe, you mentioned uh, Yegor Sharangovich. He right now, I think, could take another step forward. I know he's on the first power play, but a guy that I feel like is more important to develop at this moment this year is Alexander Holtz. And this will most likely be his first full year as a devil. It really should be at this point. So his his development isn't getting stunted. Um, but I think he should be getting huge minutes with the devils this year. He's a top six guy. He's not a bottom six player. Um, I think, Joe, you said on the daily faceoff projection lines, right? It was like he sure Brat and Palat was the first line. And I which means it'd be like Hughes, Sharon Govich and um, Mercer on the second. 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't even be mad. I think they should put Holtz in, in one of those slots. Whether it's, I mean, as good as I think you probably keep Mercer there for now. And I know Sharon Govich was a big bright spot for them. But Alexander Holtz, they drafted to be you know a thirty to forty goal scorer every year. And if you put him with Jack Hughes, you maybe slide Sharon Govich to the second power play unit, put Holtz there. Um, if he if he plays well early on, you know, I'm not saying to bump Sharon Govich off at the beginning of the season, but let's say halfway through the season, Holtz is doing great five on five. Um, give Holt a chance to play on that power play um, because I think he is one of the most important players on offense for the future. I know he was a top 10 pick. They drafted him as just an absolute sniper and pair him with a playmaker like Hughes and, you know, sort of a two-way guy like Palat. Like, that could be one of the best lines in hockey in a couple of years, potentially. Or even Brad instead of Palat's place, whoever they want to play with Jack Hughes. But that will wrap up our pilot episode of Devils in the Details. Big thank you to Joe Matthews and John McCooch for being on this first episode. We're going to have plenty more. We'll have one one, once a week throughout the rest of the season and every week going forward. Uh, Signing off, I am Jonathan Height, and be sure to stay tuned to all of our WSCU content for both CN Hall and New Jersey Devil Hockey.